Hello, welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece universe front to back. I, as always, am the super veteran, Dead End Justin, joined by my co-host, super rookie, and champion of the Bunta Eve classic, Jacob. Hello, 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 and welcome to this episode. Uh, I'd like to open up with a disclaimer that we didn't do with the previous three movies because, well, honestly, they're just kind of mid-One Piece movies. This one, however, we're just going to tell you straight up, it's different. This one is legit really, really good. It's so, good. if you haven't seen this movie, we're going to spoil the fuck out of it. Please pause the podcast. Go and watch the movie. I'm not going to ask how you watched it. Just go and watch it somehow. And then come back and hit play and we'll go, welcome back. Because, yes, this one is really, <laughs> really good. And I was going to open up, too, going... I actually watched this movie twice, but then you told me yesterday I watched it twice, too. <laughs> I also watched it twice. Yeah, I rewatched it two days ago. Yeah, that's, that's a very, very impressive feat. Um, so, yeah, Dead End Adventure, the first movie outside, released outside of Japan. Um, Runtime is 90 minutes instead of 55. We get that little extra time, right, to pace everything Honest, out. That extra time, it's the same thing that we were saying, just needs let the straw hats breathe a little bit, let the moments breathe, really help this movie. Oh, yeah, this movie was just, like, a straight-up, like, nod to, like, oh, yeah, you guys were completely right here. <laughs> Time Traveler Oda theory confirmed. Mm-hmm. Except I don't think Oda was involved with this movie that much. <laughs> um, we'll get to that in a second. Not in terms of, like, literally, but in terms of comparisons. Um, animation, the quality isn't quite movie quality just yet. It still feels like the old uh, anime, but it's also really polished because, like, unlike the three movies yeah, where you I was can gonna pick say, apart. It looks a little crisper. Yeah, because you can pick a part in the last three movies of, like, oh, this part, they are definitely saving budget. Oh, this part, this action was really, like, choppy. I don't know what the, what the deal was. This one is much more consistent. It's polished, and it never stood out of any bad moments, except for the one part through the town. But that's them trying to I wonder play. how much time they spent on that, like, thinking that it looked really good. Because I assume it was, like, they were experimenting with CG at the time, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. It did not look good. It, it and wor- and worst off it aged like milk but at the same time i'm like well it kind of did its job because it was introduced it was showing off how large the town was in scale and it reminded me of like the ps1 <laughs> ps1 cutscenes so i got a little nostalgic so it worked it for really me a did <laughs> that says a lot yeah um i would also say in terms of cinematography this movie got a lot more creative too that that felt movie quality at times the very first two opening scenes where you have, like, the the naval ship and their perspective. You had, like, the interior shots of, like, the crew constantly manning the cannons, adjusting the masts, hoisting the sails. Everyone's frantically moving about because they're trying to stay afloat during a storm while also combating the merry-go. And then you have the captain, like, walking through the crews on an overhead shot. Like, there were some really creative ideas with this that really just kept it engaging. I agree. It's, it's very entertaining visually as well as being just a good one-piece story. Mm-hmm. It... Uh, it's a perfect example as well of we were complaining in the last movie about we were complaining in the last movie about how like some of these t- scenes like for example in with that the count right talking to the straw hats how bland and boring that shot was it was just camera a camera b rock in the background i lost interest this is a similar moment where it's a captain talking to his first in command about like just chasing the straw hats but it felt so engaging because the camera is constantly changing there's action constantly going on but it's not distracting in the sense of like, oh my he god, he was I doing the buggy that in that scene, mm. <laughs> the slouch of villainy, as they call mm. it on TV tropes, right? Oh, uh, the slouch of villainy, yeah. 
But yeah, there's just constant cinematography to keep you engaged. Even, I think, in the most bland scene I can think of, where there's not as much going on, there was still, like, snow going on. Or there was the harsh winds and the creaking door. There's constantly something going on, so nothing is static for too long. So even though I say, like, it, the animation itself doesn't quite look as, like, movie quality, every, all the other tools to support it are there. So that was... It has a very high yeah. production quality. I agree yeah. with that. There's a lot of heart put into this movie. Absolutely. Um, in the two times I did watch this film, I had two different versions. I think the first one was official. Because when Luffy did his attacks, uh, they had, like, unique font and unique animation to the gum gum part. <laughs> so that uh. felt, like, very fun and engaging. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, this is official, I think. Oh, look at that. Look at the translators. Had some fun with this. And then the second time, that wasn't there. But instead, we had, like, different, like, completely different spellings and everything. So I had to double check and make sure everyone was called. Um, Setting-wise, this is on par with i would say clockwork island where like i would love hannibal island to be in the one piece world it's my head canon yeah this place, it's a really cool place yeah exterior wise it looks like tortuga from pirates of the caribbean where it's just a large town especially you know in that horrible cg scene you have all the, the lively people going about and we learn later this is like a, a haven for retired pirates and if you know you if you're in the know and you know you can get into this this hot this huge in underground hive like interior, bro. <laughs> would you would you ever not be in that bar? Um, because I would not ever not be in that bar. Like, I'd be <laughs> I would up be in there. I would. That be place looks cautious. incredible, dude. It does. I would be incredibly cautious though, because it is filled with people who, hey, you take their meal on accident, they'll they'll slam your head into the table. <laughs> And the favorite thing too is when I saw that and I just saw all the pirates going about, I just heard Obi-Wan in the background, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, that's about does it. And yeah, it was just a great, great locale. I would say not as gorgeous as Clockwork Island, but And also not quite as fantastical, but I agree that it's kind of a a fun idea. Even though I guess later we we get a well, it's not quite the same as like Pirate Island that Blackbeard is on. It's a little yeah. more. It's a little different. So yeah, actually, it would be cool to be in canon. I agree. Yeah, I, the fact that it's interior and hidden makes it so that it's harder for the Navy to spot. Although you could probably tell the Navy has an, a good idea because of Gasparde, but we'll get into that later. Um, but they think they're very well hidden, and you got all these little codes you have to do to get inside. It's really creative. Um, and what I love, too, is as we will talk more into detail later, is we get a lot of different variations of pirate ships in this movie, too. And that it, 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 um, expands the creativity of like the in the world of how what you have to do to get out to survive on the Grand Line. We see a ship with like, you know, we get uh, like a prototype steam powered ship where it has it's half wooden, but you got like the, the, the steam engine at the same time. You get one with a giant fucking drill on the front of the ship to eat up other ships. And then you have like a giant jet ski looking ship that's just good enough for two giants to man. <laughs> yeah. Like, these are some really fun ass ships. I really enjoy the design of all this. Yeah, they're um, really cool. Just like the, I guess the crew theme designs were pretty well done overall. Yeah. I felt, and I also maybe feel like I jumped the gun when I said that uh, Davy Fightback arc made me feel like it was a bit like Wacky Races. This one is like wacky races, <laughs> where you literally have a race and you have all these different ships competing against each other. At least in the beginning, the first half. That was such a fun scene. Oh, absolutely, dude. Um, also, first movie of the four, I think. 
all of the original movie characters were good, at least good. There were no bad ones. I don't. I don't think so. Um, yeah, even even the little kid character Anaguma was not terrible. Yeah, she was actually fantastic in terms of like motivating the plot. It didn't feel like it was forced. It felt natural. I understood why the character acted the way they were acting. I understood yeah. why the strong. Actually, kid. she's probably the best kid character so far. I think oh, absolutely I agree. by a mile. I yeah, she's better than Mobambi, and he was the best so far, right? Yeah, and even yeah. then we had a so so they're improving in quality in kid characters. Hopefully, absolutely. well, I guess I I know that eventually they're gonna drop that. So mm-hmm. thank God, but <laughs> yeah, but for now, fourth one in a row. But hey, at least this one they finally got it. Um, all the designs too uh, match in some way. Like even if they're a little bit more basic, um, like again we talk about Anaguma, we talk and Viera, the like the two uh, steam engine workers. Even they have a bit of character from what little design they do have. Particularly in Anaguma's eyes, whenever like in the first like, I want to say like the like the majority of this movie. Her eyes are like constantly unbalanced and unhinged because she's constantly under stress and pressure to try and, you know, get the bounty to save her grandpa. And there's like a few moments when she's actually like upbeat and hopeful and the eyes are uniform and fixed like they're actually solid again. So there's little, very little tiny details in the eyes like that that I really appreciated. Um, not to mention the the, the edgelord uh, Shariah was actually like very entertaining as well. In his, just design-wise, too, where he had, like, the black cargo pants, he had the top hat, he had a yellow uh, tracksuit, which kind of stood out a little bit, but, like, worked for him. And... Speaking of outfits, <laughs> drip check? Uh, these, I think they wore these outfits before, right? Wasn't this when they I don't wore think these? Nami did. I didn't re- the evil shirt? I don't think I've seen that before, because I feel like Pro- I would have remembered it. Probably not, but I, re- I realized a majority of other characters had their, uh... Choppers outfits. as well, I really liked. The smile shirt, that was pretty pretty good i guess i missed it then because i thought we've seen these outfits before so i'm just like okay they, these are just... luffy and zoro i think were the same sanji had like a different shirt in the beginning which was you know kind of minor as usual yeah you got but chopper had a different over. outfit usopp had like just different colored overalls i think they're a little more green as opposed to brown which you know is fine he wasn't wearing his cap again uh, okay yeah I guess it just didn't stand up because the last movie had their best trip so far, and then this one was yeah. like, eh, we're, we're well, Chopper, this is Chopper's best. His last trip yeah. sucked. <laughs> it's to make up for the last movie where he dressed, unfortunately, like a noble. Um, and then to, fa- fin- uh, to finish off the production and visual side of the discussion, um, although we did already bring this up, is the visual and sound effects, right? They felt like movie quality. Again, like the, creaky- the wind, the creaking doors, the snowfall. It prevented any scene from feeling static even during like just exposition scenes or like you know just emotional scenes where they're just discussing to one another there is something going on to constantly keep you in the immersion rather than like just bored as hell when you just have either no music or some music there's sound effects to constantly keep you uh, entertained as well not again not to the much not as much where it's distracting you like you know the star wars prequels because we're talking about star wars kind of early on uh where they added the cg effects in special edition and they became so abhorrent that they were in front of the scene at times and you're like get out of the fucking way i'm trying to watch the movie this one it's enough to add that flavor that immersion so that was definitely definitely well appreciated yeah so, it just makes it feel really alive you know like the ship especially when you hear like the creaking boards and all that and it's it's just done really well it's really nice production absolutely so all right let's enough of the production stuff let's get into the actual fucking movie dead end adventure what past the terrible CG scene that we mentioned already. <laughs> Before that, though. This town. 
<laughs> before that, though, we had the opening scene with the, the Marines, the Navy. What a terrific fucking opening scene. We already mentioned the production of how great that was. Oh, dude, yeah. But it was, like, really nice looking. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a little build-up, right? A little tease where everyone's, like, going, man, these are the dreaded, uh, like, the newcomer straw hats that have been, like, causing a ruckus, and they're just fleeing away. They're going, they're sailing smoothly away, even though it's the middle of a storm. We get, the <laughs> again, the usual I mean, nod. This is right after Alabasta, presumably, right? So they're I, a pretty hot topic, I think. Yeah, this should be right after Alabasta, definitely. Um, because we find out that, hey, Robin's here in this movie. So it should be at least after Alabasta. Um, I want to say as well, definitely before Jaya. I want to say that for one moment that happens in the opening 30 minutes of this movie. But yeah, again, these opening scenes are fantastic. They're wonderful. We get the the introduction to the the villain of the movie. Like, oh, there's a possible traitor wait, wait, in the mist. You can't just gloss over the initial bar scene with Nami. Well, I can't oh, believe no, 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 you're no. skipping this. Is the... this. I was no, like, what is I'm going not... on? Hey, trust me. I am not skipping that scene. We're going to be that's talking like, that scene. That's like her best scene in the movie. In in the movies so absolutely, far. Absolutely. Is the, it just in the bar at the beginning of this movie. Oh, absolutely. I'm still talking about the like the very first like two, three minutes when you hit play. I'm still talking about that. And we get the introduction to Gaspar Day, right? Just by word, right? So we get the little tease like, oh, gosh, there's a big villain of worry because this guy's one of her. 90 million berries, he's a traitor, he was a formal marine himself, and I go, okay, this is different, a fo- an ex-marine, instead of, that's not the, uh, not the rookie, right, not the super rookie, but we get someone else. So, Gaspade, also named after a real-life famous pirate. So, that tells me, okay, so again, the movie, the to- people at Toei, I'm assuming Oda's not writing this, they understand what makes it, what these One Piece characters, they get a little flavor, get some references here and there for real-life stuff. Um... And then we get that CG opening crawl <laughs> where I thought at least they would do um, the subtitles and they did. But because it was so spaced out, it felt like it dragged on for a tiny bit. And again, the quality just was not the best. I I did love the idea, though. You mixed in the 2D characters, like the side characters that are just in the background, like the lady, the guys drinking at the bar um, as it was going through. And then the end where it looks like you are the camera. And you're looking at the Luffy poster before entering the actual bar itself, like where the Straw Hats are. But again, it's so choppy. It's like the one bad part of the movie, but I did not mind it personally because the rest of the movie is so great. But I would say it felt like I was watching a different movie for a second because the quality went from really good to this is definitely an alpha. (laughs) This is an alpha version of something. (laughs) Yeah, it was very jarring going from that, like the Marines to the, the CG. Mm-hmm. The city. It's like it's a Hannibal. Uh, yeah, it's a Hannibal Island. But again, it felt like a, a Final Fantasy VII cutscene, you know, from PS1. So I felt a bit nostalgic. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, you know what? They're trying. They're trying something new here. But unfortunately, it didn't quite work out. But now we'll get to the bar scene. My God, again, what a perfect way to open this movie. You have all the straw hats. Yeah, and they're all, like, perfectly in character, in my opinion. Absolutely. Luffy's just eating his heart out, right? He spent all of the crew's money on food. He almost tries to blame the crew, by the way, on wasting money. <laughs> they're yeah. like, it's all on you, asshole. <laughs> but the whole time this is going on, we have the antics, right, between Usopp, Luffy, and Chopper going on. Nami has her sixth sense going off, right? She's picking up what's going on behind the bar. There's a pirate making a deal. He's sliding some coins, saying some key terms. Bartender doesn't say anything, but all of a sudden just lets him behind the bar, and then that's pirate's never seen again. The whole time she's observing, Zoro picks up 
as well that what Nami oh, is onto as well. Yeah, and so they were on the same page. But Zoro's like, I've been kind of half paying attention, but I'm not quite sure. But I know because you sensed it, it probably involves some money, right? And of course, this is like that that whiskey peak Zoro and Nami, you know? Absolutely. Um, that that they're on the same page, but not quite, but enough to be like. It's like you're not gonna slip it past them completely. Like you know, if they're in the room, they're gonna catch it. Is what it seems. Yeah, exactly. Like. And I also love how Sanji was trying to like say like Nami's not that greedy. What are you talking about? And Nami's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm greedy. I, I said then right money. after that, she's like, I smell money. <laughs> exactly. I love fucking money. I I sense a way to make some profit, and we need money. I'll be right back. And this is exactly what I wanted Nami to do more of in the core series itself. She's putting on the charm because she knows the bartender is like, oh, he's got to know something. So she's walking up, she's dragging her hand along the bar going, hey, do you got any way for us to make some money? Because you got you, you seem like you got some connections. And then she starts bending over on the bar. You have a part first person perspective shot where you see what yep. he's seeing. It's right through her, right through the valley. You see her ass shot afterwards. I'm like, this is actually legitimately fan service done correctly. Because you're getting it from the perspective of the bartender and Nami is putting on the charm. She's putting on the flirt. And it actually somewhat works because the first time she does it, he goes, he doesn't say, you know, fuck off, right? He actually just goes, now nah, you guys are too green. You guys are too young. You guys wouldn't do good in this, in this task, right? In this thing that we got in the back room. And immediately Nami drops the charm. She starts, you know, just sitting on the stool and she goes into the persuasion mode. Zoro immediately picks up on it. Nick signals to Sanji. He understands. They bring the rest of the Straw Hats over, even though the other half has no idea what's going on. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because they're just, like, distracted. They're, like, doing a little goes, show, you know? They're like, eh? eh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're, they're doing the, the show of muscle, the show of force. And Zoro was completely in favor of that. And Nami is like, going, but we don't, you're not your, we're not your typical young pirates. We have experience. You recognize my captain here. He's wanted for 30 million berries. And that's in such a short amount of time give us a shot even though luffy is like what's going on <laughs> i have no idea what's going on but hey you know nami is doing the talking i'm just gonna let her do the talking and it works the bartender gives them their secret code right you go through this door you present to them 200 berries right the 200 coins and trust me just keep going forward in this cave and that's it right and I'm this, just like, this scene is just top tier Nami. Let me say, I love like she coerces, coaxes Luffy as well, and like Chopper when she's she, she goes over to the bartender. She's like, "Ooh, man, I smell me some money." But mm. you know, when she calls them over, she's like, "Hey guys, I smell some adventure." <laughs> you know, exactly. He's like, "Hell exactly. yeah, hell it's yeah, just, we're doing uh, it." <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Like again, these first like these are like, this is like the first like what ten minutes of this movie, and I'm already going. Why are these first 10 minutes so fucking perfect? <laughs> Except for that time crawl. Honestly, this is what the movies, I think, what I like to see in the movies. Because, especially lately, we just don't really get as many of these just nice straw hat moments where they're kind of hanging out. Even though it's short, it's mm -hmm. just nice. You know, and it's really Absolutely. fun. I know it's a shonen adventure, shonen battle series. But not every single time we have to rely on high quality action. That's always the cherry on top for me. But the characters being themselves, interacting with each other, or even with strangers, like in this case, putting on their best character traits, what made them effective and entertaining, this is the first part right here. And as well as when they go through the cave and they get to the guy at the end. And again, I have to remember that they said they're absolutely broke. They had nothing. But Nami somehow still has 200 berry coins. I'm just like, oh, she robbed that from the bartender. <laughs> 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 she totally robbed that from the bartender. That's the code, right? To get through. 
the guy puts away his sword in the cave and he opens the door and we get our wretched hive and scum and villainy, the secret to Hannibal Island. And we have this giant emptied out interior of a hive where you have like the emptied out rooms, like the high, the honeycomb hives, all these different retired pirates have their Jolly Rogers hanging over the side. They're getting drunk. They're partying. They're waiting for the, the boon to Eve classic. Sorry. The dead end race to start the next day. They're getting super excited. The Straw Hats are still a bit unaware at this point, right? They're still unaware of what's going on. They get, like, bits of intel of just other pirates just chatting, going, like, yeah, there's a big race going on tomorrow. You put on a bet to see if you can make it to the end, or you bet on someone else to win for you. And that's when Robin chimes in and finally goes, oh, I've been here before. And I get and I understand going, when she says, like, oh, one of my former adventures, I'm like, oh, that poor girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. She was probably forced to do these races before at some point. I don't know. But she realizes where she's at. She does her exposition drop of explaining everything. And I have to remember, this is pre-Water 7 Robin. So in this movie, she doesn't say or do that much. But that's to her character, right? At this point. She's always yeah. in the shadows, unaware. So I'm completely fine with that. Um, But we get that uh, reveal, right? And then again, like as you mentioned, uh, Nami is a bit hesitant at first. Going, wait, 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 wait. This is just a, a crazy race. I don't want to be a part of this until he knows more details. The next detail is, but the prize is 300 million berries. And then she goes, no, no, we're going sailing. <laughs> Time to race, boys. Yep. Signs them up herself. <laughs> she signs them up herself. She's taking full responsibility. Hell yeah, we're entering this race. And we get the, the fun little antic of like the guy who straight up reminds you of Job of the Hut. Just throws them uh, in a, a pose, right? Internal pose going to your destination. Like you get here before the other ships, you win the prize. Uh, anything goes after that, right? There's no rules of what you have to like. You have to go a certain path. You have to be, you have to take out certain ships. Like, no, you just get there any way you can, however you want to. That's the point. And I'm like, all right, this definitely sounds a bit like pod racing because it sounds incredibly dangerous. Um, and boy, and the variety of pirates we see here too is so great. We get giants, fishmen. We get the trader I mentioned earlier. Yeah, just the background character designs were like pretty good. Yeah, they, it wasn't like the first movie where, like, all the goons were just nobodies, and then like, the only two characters were, like, the main pirate and the first mate, and even then, they were kind of bland. This one's like, no, that same level of design for those first two, the first mate and the captain pirate, those are all the background characters in this movie, where even, like, the dude just telling him, like, oh, this, you have to bet on these races to get money, even he's got some design into put into him, some thought, and... <laughs> even and then they learn as well hey once you're in here the food's all free so luffy again of course <laughs> of course but the, what's awesome too is that you know chopper is still pretty new to the crew at this point it's been like i think two arcs for him so he's trying to like chow down like luffy and then Usopp's like you don't have to eat as much as him to be strong and then chopper's so surprised you don't <laughs> I, but he did it <laughs> i was just doing what he did um we also I get that a, moment a lot too. Absolutely, it was so cute, and we get our introduction to our first uh, major movie OC character. We mentioned it before, Shariah, the Edge Lord. Where this is, this is how I know it's pre Jaya, because he, because Luffy takes his food right, because he's taken down too. Luffy's taking his food because Luffy's just buffing it out. He's just stretching his arms, give me everything, everything, give me everything. It's free. I, I can't blame him. And Shariah gets pissed and then slams Luffy's head through the desk, very, very much mirroring uh, Bellamy's, like, slam, uh, head slam panel. Mm -hmm. But instead of, 
you know, Luffy, you know, do it, pulling the shanks and going, they're not worth our time. These are not real pirates. Luffy's like, hey, what the hell? We're going, we're going to throw down. <laughs> you messed up my meal. What the hell? And then other pirates get involved, too, because Luffy was eating their food, too, and causing a ruckus. So Shiraya and Luffy are both going like, well, shit, now we're surrounded. And now we get this amazing bar fight where the environment is being used, especially the OC Shiraya. Great choreographed scene. It was Absolutely. so sick. It's a great way to show off how it how at least interesting the new character is in terms of like action. Because uh he's fighting almost like Jackie Chan. Because he's so acrobatic, but he's using the tables to flip yeah. to give him cover. He's climbing up the chains, he's using the tools all around him, the chairs to move around, and I'm just like, this is so entertaining. Luffy's thinking it too. But and even then, he's not even out of it too. Like his fights are also great too, because there's one little scene that I love so much that I wrote it down where he's watching Shariah fight and going, wow, this guy's a good fighter. And a pirate is trying to hit him from behind. Luffy pulls his own head to the side. Oh, dude, yeah. Like a door stopper. And then he just resets it. That was so cool. And I'm just like, this is creative. (laughs) I love this. There was another cool moment, like, in this fight scene, too, where it cuts kind of back to Nami and Robin and, like, Sanji, you know, and they're just kind of chatting it up. And then, like, this big glob of people come up yeah, this exactly. chain next to them. And Luffy, you know, underneath. And she goes, uh, like, what the hell's going on? He's like, oh, it's just a fight. And she's like, oh, okay, uh, don't get lost. Yeah, get back be right back at the parking lot by 5 p.m. or we're leaving without you, okay? Yeah, I really like that. <laughs> just business as usual. <laughs> and, again, like, such a creative, wonderful fight. Um, it, it go all the way to the very top of the hive. In case you missed the first time, there's a ship hanging on there by a couple of wires, a couple of chains, and they get up there. And even when the ship's about to tip over, Luffy and Shariah are like, hey, you're not a bad fighter. Yeah, you're not a bad. <laughs> like, they have, like, a mutual, like, respect for one another for a little bit. But remember, they're still trying to fight each other, but they're taking out these other goons first that got involved. They're just like, yeah, I want to fight you one-on-one. You seem like a good fight. Yeah, you're not as weak as I thought you were. But then we get our official introduction to Gaspard. Gasparde, where one of the goons uh, has them fall off the ship, right? And they go into, like, that hive where Gasparde is, and it looks like he took it. Because there's all these bodies, there's all these ruined, uh, thrown over furniture, and he's just sitting there, right, doing that slot, as he mentioned. With this other dude that looks like Necro from Street Fighter, and they're just despicable people. Like, they're just assholes. (laughs) Because (laughs) that goon is, like, shocked, like, oh, Gasparde, you're actually here. What are you doing here? But then Gasparde does, like, like the asshole boss thing where he's, like, picking apart your words going, what, you saying I can't be here? What, you saying I'm too weak to be here? What, you saying I, I can't, I'm not allowed to be here? What, what are you to tell me what to do? And it's just like, he's just wondering what you're doing there, but you're picking on his words. <laughs> I'm just feeling sorry for this goon that's, you know, quite funny that he got his ass whooped. But I'm still feeling sorry for him. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I gotta relate to this dude. Um... And we just see these little tidbits like that, and not to mention the lack of care Gasparde had for this goon, and he tosses him over, even though Luffy actually saved him from falling into the water from all the way up above, and then Gasparde tosses him down, and Luffy right away is like, I don't like you. <laughs> you, are the, you're, you are my rival for the arc, and I'm just like, there you go, villain established. <laughs> Luffy doesn't that's like all, him. Yeah, that's, that's all you need. That's good enough for me. <laughs> um, but Gasparde... Um, invites Luffy and Shariah to join his crew because he saw them beat up all of his henchmen and just go, you know, you guys are actually pretty strong. I like that. Come serve my crew and I'll show you guys some good riches, right? I'll I'll help you to reap the rewards. 
But, of course, Luffy is going, hell no. Shiraya is a bit more vague on it because he's a bounty hunter. But, you know, it's there might be some underlying motives there because he seems quite interested in Gasparde. We also get a little tease, or a reminder, sorry, about Luffy's affection with the straw hat itself, right? The promise from Shanks. He's going to return that straw hat. It falls. There's a part where Needles, you know, Necro, is backing up. He almost steps on it. And Gasparde picks up on this, <laughs> right? That's the tease, right? He goes, oh, it actually means something to this guy. I wonder why. But, yeah, we get that little setup. And then <laughs> after that whole moment confronting Gasparde, Soraya and then Luffy are just like, you know, I don't feel like fighting you anymore. I kind of lost the mood. Yeah, the momentum kind of went away because Gasparde was kind of an asshole right <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, moment's we, gone. Yeah, moment's gone, but we'll fight in the future, right? Soraya just puts on its fucking top hat and we're just like, all right, see you next time. And I'm just like, this is a really well-established OC. Like, it's, again, well, it's an I, OC. Here's what I thought as well. Like, I like him, and that just made me kind of hyper-aware of the lack of notable bounty hunters in the main series. Mm-hmm. Because the only I one kind of wish there were more. <laughs> yeah, the only one is not even one anymore, and we never actually saw him as a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. So in this case, um, we see someone who actually is a bounty hunter. By the way, a little world detail they never explain. Um, did it? I don't think they explained uh, the sickle tattoo on his cheek. Did they ever explain that? Because the way I originally saw it was like, oh, is that like the, you know, when prisoners, at least in the United States, when they kill someone, they get the teardrop tattoo. Is that kind of like the Grand Line version? You get a sickle on your cheek if you're in a prison or something? I don't know, because it's established like in this background of how Shariah is going through like all this shit to get revenge on Gasparde, which we learned later on. So I thought maybe down the line he got through some shit. Again, he's an edgelord. I don't know. But... Also, it matches think, the sweater, you know, sick on it and the sickle. No, oh, yeah. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah, that's right. It might be just the design. But that's also weird because then it's like, so you got a tattoo because you like the design that much? <laughs> she liked the sweater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I love this shirt so much. I got Adidas tattooed on my cheek. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like, dude, calm down. Are you being paid to do that? No, then get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we get the introduction of Gasparde. Um, so overall, what did you think of? I know we're jumping out the ball a little here, but. Uh, what'd you think of Gasparde as a villain, as a, overall? Like, we don't have to go into details of the fight yet, but what'd you think of him? He's a okay. Yeah, that's actually how I feel, too. He's yeah. A, he's okay. of, of the movie villains, he's the best one so far. But at the end of the day, he really feels like a discount crocodile mixed with Bellamy. Yeah. Right? Where, like, stature, pose-wise, he's huge and intimidating like Crocodile. But belief-wise, where he's all about, like, oh, I don't chase petty dreams. I'm all about power. It's like, oh, so you're kind of bland like Bellamy. Okay. And that makes him, like, a very kind of, in terms of motivations, he's kind of boring. Exactly. You don't really, like, understand, like, where he's coming from. Like, what he wants to do with his life. Yeah. Just get money. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, it's such a little thing. And then he explains to her, like, oh, I'm just so bored of life that I just do this as a game. And it's, like, it's, it's supposed to make him sound like like demonic a little bit because he just kills pirates for fun to give him some life and i'm just like i don't know you telling me that is like i kind of see it but the movie doesn't do a perfect job reinforcing that so i'm just like eh, you're, you're a discount bellamy you got some don krieg in you too you got that one spike attack but i'm just like eh, yeah motivations were really weak but because the first three movies we had really weak villains he's still the best one so far i agree um, with that I don't think we even need to talk about Needles. I think he has, like, one line the entire movie. He looks looks great. He, he reminds yeah. me of Vega 
without the mask. I was just going to say... Uh, from Street Fighter, ha- for those who don't know. Y- yeah, yeah. I was going to say Necro from Street Fighter with Vega's blades. <laughs> I was going to say that. Because just like the way that he moves around is more like, you know, unorthodox and very lean. They did a, a really good job of like making his movements unique. He's really lithe and, you know, the way he moves, it's very almost yeah, cat-like, was- you know? Yeah, there was one scene where he bent his arm backwards, like, past the elbow, like, as if he didn't have it. It was, like, one flash I saw where his arm bent backwards to, like, do, like, a weird acrobatic move, because he's fighting Shiraya in that scene we're talking about. And it was, like, it was, like, probably the most entertaining fight in the movie, even more than the finale. I'll probably, I'm not gonna lie, it was short. Honestly, the finale fight was good. It was not as good as that fight, as uh, Needles versus Shiraya. That was awesome. And it was between movie OCs, <laughs> two, two OCs. <laughs> and like, man, this, hey, this, hey, these toys. Also, characters. I want to, I want to point this out. As soon as I saw this guy Needles in the beginning, I was like, okay, well, Zora is clearly gonna fight him. You would and think that, that it didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't I was amazed. Happen. You would think it would happen because he's got the swords, he's got the blades. And I'm like, oh, it's gonna be. A he's cool got the fight. look. You know, he yep. looks like a Zoro opponent. But I'll he almost honest. even looks like facially like Mister One a little bit. Right? A little bit, yeah, a little bit, because he's got, like, the bald buzz cut at the top. Um, but, again, what we got, though, was actually really fun, because Shariah is using, like, a shovel to help him out with that fight, because, again, he uses tools and the environment's out and out. And, again, it was actually very entertaining. So, I was disappointed as well Zora didn't fight him, but I'm also like, what we got, though, was a was also really good. It was the best fight of the movie. Um, so, after we get that confrontation introductions, right, the Straws are going to sleep for the night, and they're going to enter that race tomorrow. We get introduced to, we mentioned earlier, the, the, the fourth child in a row, Anaguma, and her grandfather. Um, Honestly, they're like so irrelevant. Oh my god. They they drive the plot like all the, all the other kid uh, guardian combos and in previous spoilers, movies. That the whole sis- lost sibling plot line was like so sloppily done. It kind of was. They almost- literally didn't even mention it until like the very end. Yeah, it was halfway through, yeah, because it was, it, that was literally a side plot with just the OCs, and the Straw Hats were just kind of roped in. That part felt like the previous three movies were, again, it was just kind of rushed together. But what they did efficiently was Anaguma and her interactions with the Straw Hats later on, when she's on their ship, those parts were done very well, I will say. I also, Everything like I said, I actually, I kind of shit on Kid characters, but I actually did like Anaguma. She has some agency, trying to get it done, doesn't... Tried to do what she had to do, but yeah, you know, ultimately it was good. And and not even just like for a kid character. Like no, this act, this character was actually decent. Like despite they are a kid child character, they are actually a decent character in terms of like uh, rooting for the character, hoping they get what they want achieved. Um, it wasn't like the the last three characters. Like even Mombi, I'm just like, you're just kind of there. I want them to focus more on the Straw Hats. Anaguma never like overstayed her welcome, never overshined because she was more like the um, what's the terminology? Where you have like the normal character reacting to the crazy events happening in the story as like a connect of like a actual reaction or reminder of like what they're doing is nuts, by the way. And Anaguma is that character. I forget there's an actual terminology for uh, it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But that's her purpose, basically. Um, but we get that introduction regardless, where the grandpa is really sick and Anaguma is granted quote unquote mercy by Gaspardi because they're 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 like uh, engineers in the boiler room for their ship, the Salamander. Not really a good name, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I had to throw that little nitpick out there. Where Gaspardi goes, you kill a pirate. Here, here's a gun. You kill a pirate with their bounty. You bring me back that bounty. We'll use that bounty to get your grandfather medicine. 
and that's basically like a test of strength, right? Kind of like a rite of passage to join his crew. Show me that you're strong Officially. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it also, it's incredibly fucked up because Anaguma is what ten years old, less than ten years old. Just got uh, overalls. Ten or eleven, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, she's covered in filth and dirt. What do you mean she's only 10, bro? If she were a Naruto, she'd be getting ready to graduate <laughs> and become a ninja. She's grow up. This, it, <laughs> this shonen world? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, be, I'll do one better. If she were in Dragon Ball, she'd be training at five years old. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, uh, shonen. Um, but yeah, I personally really enjoyed Anaguma. Um, in the second movie I watched, they didn't say she was Anaguma. They just called her by their nickname Badger, which I think is a, just a translation of Anaguma. Um, we find out later on when the plot line is revealed about like the lost siblings, it's between Shiraya and Ayagunaguma, uh, sorry, Anaguma and Shiraya. Her real name is Adele. Um, again, not that important. Just want to throw it out there though, where again, they were together when they were children, they were on an Island that was actually attacked and raided by Gasparde, which is why Shiraya wanted revenge, right? Cause he's on his motivation is the typical revenge quest, right? I have nothing to live for except for revenge. I'm going to take you out. Right. I respect and, it, honestly. Yeah, it's very traditional, right? It's, it keeps it simple to the point. It matches his design because he's an edgelord. Um, and then Anaguma, though, was the sister he thought he lost in that attack. And then we find out, like you said, Sloppy put together because the grandfather of Anaguma, who is an adoptive father, um, adoptive grandfather, doesn't matter, uh, Biera, he realizes, oh, you guys have the same last name. Was it like uh, Bascud? Bas- I forget. Baskud, yeah. <laughs> Baskud. And that was the indicator, like, oh, shit, you have the same uh, last name as uh, my apprentice. Oh, you're the brother. Oh, shit. But because he's too sick, he can't really do what anything. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. Yeah, we talked about movie coincidences being yeah. an issue in the second movie. It, It's kind of, uh, again, it's, it's so small in this movie compared to that one. It's, like, not nearly as big a deal to me. Um, because I honestly those... just I wasn't really invested in that like at all, and him I didn't really care if he got his revenge like because we knew ultimately he would fail because he's going after the guy that Luffy's gonna beat. So that yeah. does kind of put a damper on him. Yeah, but I, I can I can see that. But his fight with um, needles, amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I can definitely see that though. Um, I personally was a little invested because again I just liked his design. I like uh, he was a simple enough motivation character. Where I'm just like I'm curious to see where this goes. It's probably gonna be predictable but i'm still curious you got me you got you you impressed me i still like him first still like yeah, him so he impressed me in the something. first half hour right so i'm just like i'll see where this goes um yeah sorry we're jumping around a little bit because yeah these side characters and their side plot it's not the worst especially if you compare it to the previous three one piece movies but in terms of like actual side plots and movies it's still pretty low quality overall because the focus is still the straw hats and the dead end race which we will now get into because this race, which is just Reverse Mountain 2.0, literally they mention it, right? Where Robin's like, oh, it's up that mountain, and they just go, it's just like Reverse Mountain. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. no shit. <laughs> they, I'll allow it. Yeah, I'll allow it, because it's it's much wider, there are much more lanes, and it's race-oriented. So now it's there's much more motivation behind it. You get that great build-up in the morning where all the people on the town going like, well, we're rooting for you. Hey, they're rooting for us. We're that rooting island, for you to just, lose. I'm just throwing this out there, because I was thinking about this. They've got to have some kind of like amazing surfing sport, right? Where you just start at the top and surf down the canals of those. Oh my god, yeah. Well, if if you ever have a surfing competition and Jimbei is there, he's gonna win regardless. Really? I was also gonna say if Jimbei was a part of the crew at this point, they would easily win this race easily. Totally. Um, because there's a constant little joke where the their Mary Go is always behind. They're like in second to last or last place consistently, despite the fact that they're, you know, surviving so far. 
but it's like yeah because there it goes a little it's a, it's a little it's a little ship it's but she's pushing she's pushing um but boy we get such amazingly fun action sequences i'm not gonna ex- try to explain every single bit that happens but we gotta put out some highlights man um the straw hats all like pushing to their strengths right every single one does something in this and that's why i love about wanting these ship sailing it portions in the manga more though because all the straw hats are doing something rather even if it's something as simple as adjusting yeah, the mass dude, this or, is like the best naval combat we've ever gotten out of one piece yeah there was right? actually a part yeah there was a part where a ship was like on their port side and then Usopp sees them and he just fires the cannon and it <laughs> takes out their uh my their boy <laughs> gets an accurate bullseye shot Nami's navigation, obviously, to keep him on track. I, I was like, when he went to the cannon, I was like, he better not miss. Or I'm going to be <laughs> actually mad. Like, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> nah, he, so he, I was got glad it. That it was a bullseye. he got a great shot. Um, We, at some point later on in the race, uh, another ship tries to board them. Z- Zoro and Sanji, like, they solve it real quickly. Quite easily, a matter of fact. They just board them first. Um, Luffy and Robin use their powers to keep the ship on a straight path. There was a wonderful segment where the giant dude, the Robin two giants, was popping off. <laughs> she was that one moment she did. I'm like, is this like post time skip power level? Like, dude, yeah, strong. she was doing she was doing some thriller bark shit, like with the wings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then she makes was, me but, like, when did this movie come out again? Uh, it's like right after Alabasta, right? It has to be. Like this was I think it's like they... yeah, it's like around the time probably that either Jaya's airing or early Sky Skype is on TV. Yeah, there was I think it was around Shibodi or the time skip when they fully switched from 2D to digital, where you get like the the, the huge glow up from in color and quality in the actual anime. This was before that, so it's definitely not before the time skip, but even then they're just like, now nah, we're doing it. <laughs> well, there's a segment where there's a downed ship, right? And the the bottom of the ship is turned upright, and the giants go, or the, the the two giants, right? There's the more cautious one going, hey, brother, there's a ship up ahead. We gotta go around it. At the speed, we can't avoid it. You know what that means, right? Yeah. We gotta speed the hell up. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> Honestly, they- the, the way they went out was so anticlimactic, it shocked me. <laughs> oh, to me, it was perfect. To it, me, was it was hilarious, though. Like, I just yeah. wasn't expecting it at all. That uh, you know what that is kind of true also where you expect the giants to have more of a, a stay in the race. Yeah, I thought were, they were like, gonna unique, make it. You know, yeah, they're the more unique characters. Yeah, they're the. <laughs> I, yeah, thought, I thought that was I, their cool like look at what they can do moment, and instead they just crash well, like was, flat on dude, their faces. That was a cool ass moment. They can roll off that ramp with no fear, and then crash. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, that was pretty funny. But the best part was Nami and the crew see that, and then they try it too. But their version is, oh, we don't have a jet ski. Oh, Luffy. And she goes, and she has like, like that, that upbeat voice. She goes, Luffy. And he goes, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then he just puts a balloon for him. And he just gets smashed between the merry-go and the ship. And then they ramp off. But then they're about to crash. And that's when we talked about happens. When Robin pulls a post-time skip power, she has all these hands literally pulling the ship back on course and it's not even a, f- a few feet it's like that seems like <laughs> almost like half a mile what the fuck it was really yeah and it was, was, it was basically a giant arm yeah that was an mvp move as little as she did in this movie the few things she did was holy shit there were quite a bit it's again very relevant to pre-water seven robin where she's just quiet but when she acts she takes the spotlight and yeah this all these fun sequences were just so great in that race i was I realized at this point when I was watching the movie the first time, 
my cheeks were hurting because I was grinning like a fucking fool. <laughs> like, for so long. And I'm just like, all right, I gotta stop. My cheeks are hurting. Ow. It's because just such I, a fun movie. It absolutely is. It was the moment where I think I felt for the first time, because I haven't watched the anime, obviously, but I really did feel like, oh my god, these are the characters I love from the manga coming to life finally. I didn't get that from the first three movies. Kind of like in the first movie when they were, like had their antics in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But this one was all this fun action going on and themselves being them and it really stood out I was like oh my god these are the one piece characters voiced and alive oh my god um they really like nailed their mannerisms and in character in this movie absolutely it didn't feel like there were it didn't feel like there was like horrible writing issues at all they got they nailed the characters um as we mentioned before uh Anaguma uh, stows away on the merry go at some point cuz you know we got to have an, a break between the action a little bit because if it was just action, you would, it would get tiring, it would get dull. That's why you gotta have these pauses in between. But there's a moment where... Okay, I had a question for you, because I think this is actually a translation issue. Because the, f- the two versions I saw, they were very different ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Nami, when they slow down the action, Nami asks Zoro to check for any damages on the ship. In the first version, which is I think the official version, <laughs> Zoro calls her, I think that dumb bitch can't order me around. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck? That's not at all what I'm used to. <laughs> that's, that's pretty appropriate, I think. I think, but I'm not used to that from the manga, at least the version I wasn't reading. I'm not used to them just calling each other mm-hmm. names like that. I'm just like, Zoro, what the fuck? Because the second version, he, it was translated more like, man, she's like she's treating us like slaves on this ship. And that's more like him bitching about the work, right? Instead of like, being more personal about it. I was just shocked by that. Anyway, <laughs> I just thought that was just, uh, uh, distracting for me. Um, they find Anaguma. She tries to take a shot at Zoro. Misses. Zoro knocks her out. Um, and then we get this, uh, the reason why I personally liked Anaguma was it serves as, like, a first step for audiences who are, like, watching the anime and the movies, like, at the same time, like, chronologically. Uh, it's, like, a first early step to that Will of Live theme, Will to Live, that we see in Robin in Water 7, because when we first see Anaguma, her main motivation is just to get the medicine. I can't kill you, get them bounty. Okay, I'm dead. Just kill me. Get over with, right? And that pisses off the straw hat. So you get that passionate scene where Nami t- takes one of Sora's swords and threatens to kill Anakuma and chop her ass to stop her. <laughs> um, because, yeah, Nami went through some shit herself and she's like, you can't just give up like that. It's not that easy. It's like you're just throwing away your life. That's fucking bullshit. And then we had that more calm scene where in the, you know, again, the pleasant snow, Anakuma's down, right? Completely void of the will. But then Sanji shows up, tosses her jacket, and goes, we've been through some shit, man. Like, like we got, we got through some rough times. Don't take it too personal, but you really got to find a way to keep going, right? Luffy and Usopp make fun of him for giving a pep talk to a kid. And then we get that little tease, right? That's also consistent where it's like, I wonder why I was just kind of nowhere. And it's like, we know. That's your, actually your best trait, Sanji. <laughs> we're aware. We're aware. But we eventually get that development where, uh, again, because Luffy loves giving shit to children, but in the best way, because it actually motivates them to do the right thing, where this is, like, right before they realized, you know, the Navy was, this was a trap set by the Navy and Gasparde to just, like, vaporize all the ships. That's why there's never a win rate for the race. And they just get sent to a kill zone with can fire. And they finally realize, yeah, this is a trap. We all hate Gasparde. Let's take him down. And then Anagume is like, I want to be there because I want to get my grandfather off the ship. And then Luffy's like, are you affirming, right? So it's like, so you're saying you don't want to just you know, stay on the ship. You, you want to actually live with your grandfather, right? And Anakuma's like, hell yeah, I'm going to come too. And Luffy's like, all right, let's do this shit then. 
it was a little sweet moment, like I said. I yeah. Have, oh, it was, uh, yeah, it was cool. yeah, of all the side characters, Anagume was the one that I felt like any kind of, uh, like, can, like care for. Like, Shirai was a cool guy, but I'm like, at the same time, like, yeah, he's just a revenge dude, whatever. But Anagume, I was like, you know what? Especially compared to the last three children characters, it worked out for me in this movie. Um, it They also, like, never quite took the spotlight, because they were going to fight Gasparde anyway. They were going to go and confront him anyway. They were, and Anaguma and the other characters, they were just there for the ride. So that's also why it's ineffective. But that's also why they didn't offend me. Is that kind of weird to say? Does that kind of make sense? That, that's, a, that's fine. I get it. Yeah, like, they weren't as critical to the plot, the plot as, like, uh, Mumbambi from the last movie. But at yeah, the he really time, didn't do shit. <laughs> at the same time, yeah. If, if anything, he actually hurt the movie. Because he was like, I'm going to give the crown to the villain <laughs> on accident. Like, <laughs> he didn't intentionally do that. He didn't intentionally do that. But, like, Oh man, I know critical char- character flaws are good for writing, but that one just was just really bad, man. <laughs> he really fucked up. <laughs> In this one, it's like, all right, Anagoma had a new will to live and to get uh, Biera off the ship. Um, who cares? Probably a bit too much for the boiler, but you know, it's a mechanic. They're, they care for their machinery. Um, we get a little tease with uh oh there was one scene that felt like that was leader that was unfortunate it was the fishman i think it was willie was that his name fishman willie yeah i think so and he was coming up on gasparde because gasparde was you know going away from the race and willie was like following him because like oh where the fuck are you going you gotta be up to something and gasparde is like all right time to fight the pirates let's go and we never see it yeah, <laughs> we just never so see disappointing. it we assume gasparde won easily but we don't even see like a shot of them sailing away from Willie and his crew. We don't even see that. It's just it felt like a deleted scene. That was that was a little off. It, again, it wasn't terrible, but I would have liked to see it. Because I was having a lot of fun so far. And so we want to get to the I guess the, the last sequence, right? Where they're on the salamander in the storm. Yeah. So right. I mean, we already talked about Shariah versus yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, it starts off with Shariah versus Necro. Um, Shariah had his talk with uh, Biera, the grand the grandpa. Also, Needles is a stupid name. It do we agree? Really is yeah, yeah, it is. Um, at first I called him Voldo, and then I realized no, he's more like Necro, <laughs> Voldo from Soul Caliber. And I'm like, nah, he doesn't really bend backwards. He's not that weird. Necro. I think I think I've heard over. someone or I saw a post or something. Someone said it's Needless, which I guess is it's kind of hard to determine, but I could see that. Uh, I guess he needless would be more appropriate because he doesn't need any lines in this movie. I think I like that better. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need any lines in the movie. It's, it's one s off. Like if we're talking about literal translation typo issues, it's one letter off from needless. But yeah, whatever. I mean, it's, it would sound the same like translated. I think right. So, uh, okay, okay, could be either. Um, also, I think it's like no surprise because it's consistent with all these movies but the henchmen on Gaspardi's ship were a bunch of punk ass bitches they got one shotted so easily <laughs> when Luffy eventually boarded the ship and Shirai was beaten down by Gaspardi no surprise because Gaspardi oh, I'll be honest uh, Shirai was beat down by uh, Needles but he eventually came up on top but Gas- but Shirai is not a super powerful like like Mary Sue character like no he's strong but he has his limit right he's a regular person he has no devil fruit powers and yeah. he gets easily defeated by Gasparde after he took down the person command. Also, just the way he beat uh, Needles, that was savage. Oh, absolutely. That was the best part. The, the final blow with the spade. Yep. Boing! And then just all lost conscious, down to the ocean. Just gone. He's dead. That's the grand line taking him in. He's gone. To Davy Jones' locker. But uh, the, the Straw Hats catch up, right? They... Oh, there was a little funny little moment, right? Where 
they're trying to they go away from the needle pose because they find out that the the poses were all preset to a naval base. I was actually going to ask about this too, actually, because they had a name of the final destination, and then they tore off the name for the pose, and then they reacted like they kind of knew the name. Was that like a filler related name? Because I didn't recognize the name at all from the actual One Piece manga. No, I think they just mentioned it like earlier in the movie, right? Well, the, the, the location they mentioned in the movie was what they thought was the Final Destination, but it proved they're wrong. Remember, that's when Nami and Sanji like screwed off the nameplate right. because they realized they were being rused. Um, but the, the, re- the way they reacted to that new name felt like they've been there before. I'm not sure. I think but they're just realizing they were realizing they were tricked at that time. It's probably just that. Yeah, I'm also don't think too much about it. But they got that. And then <laughs> the excuse was, oh, how are we going to find Gasparde? Oh, Chopper's nose. What the hell is Chopper going to know how to sound, smell the ship? Because they, they never had a throwaway line where it's like, oh, the ship has a unique smell because of the coal, right? The steam power being used to fuel it. They never mentioned it, so you have to do the head writing yourself, which, again, you shouldn't Well, Chopper do. can just follow scents. That, that yeah. has been established. Yeah, but my point is, how would he know which scent is Gasparde's? Because Chopper never met Gasparde or mentioned how, you know, anything unique about him. Um, they never mentioned that he smelled like syrup or he smelled like coal from Man, this. That's he was following something. I forgot what... Yeah, that's a good point, though. Yeah, but point being is it was so nonchalant and, like, spontaneous. We had a great moment where <laughs> Robin asked, like, does this happen usually all the time with your voyages? And so she goes, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, this is the usual. And I go, oh, yeah, that's right. Robin's brand into the ship. And she's just asking quietly, is this... Was it all what happens? Yeah, pretty much. Um... So the Straw Hats catch up. They're on the ship. The, those, the wind and storm is slightly picking up. There's some rain going on. Uh, Luffy boards the ship and goes, yeah, I'm going to kick your butt, Gasparte. The whole time while that's going on, um, Zoro, Sanji, they're trying to like get the grandpa right to get off the ship. The grandpa's being very stubborn. He's going to look after the boiler room. But he's happy that Anaguma seems like has some life and hope, right? Like, get out of the ship and live on. Mm-hmm. Again, that's why I kind of liked it a little bit, because it reminded me a little bit of, like, a tiny discount version of, like, the Water 7 theme, or the, sorry, the Edie's Lobby theme, The Will to Live. So I'm like, okay, it's like a, like a lead up to it. If you're watching the anime, you just watched Alabaster and you're watching this, this could be a good theme to remember when you get to Edie's Lobby. Like, oh, yeah, that theme was brought up before. It's consistent. The weirdest thing, though, that I agree I didn't like was Biera, how he saw this, and instead of just getting off the fucking ship... He decides to go back down and goes, I need to do something real quick. Sanji is exploring the ship because Luffy's having a hard time with Gasparde uh, at the start, right? He tries to fight him, and Discount Crocodile has a very similar type of defensive power that Crocodile has, where instead of the sand, right, it's candy syrup. Um, I thought it was Flubber <laughs> at first, like from the Wild Williams like. movie. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, because it's like green goo. But... It absorbs Luffy's fist, and then Gasparte is, like, laying down on Luffy. Like, he's punching him so hard, it's actually making him bleed right away. Um, There's actually a very weird sound effect where it's the sound of, like, the tomato squashing. Where it's like... (laughs) And I'm like, Luffy didn't just die, okay, movie? You can't fool me. It's like Uh the fourth punch thrown. But it's enough for Sanji to be concerned. Zoro tells him, reminds him, don't interfere. He'll hate you if you do that. And so uh, Sanji, but he picks up on it quickly, right, what it is. Goes down to the kitchen, gets bags of flour, comes back up, and then tells Luffy, here, just use these. I'm not going to tell you how, but you might you might need them, right? He's, he doesn't tell him to use them. He doesn't tell him, don't use them. He just says, yeah, just be creative with them if you want to. You know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. 
<laughs> but trust me, I might know a thing or two because you're dealing with food right now. Um, but none of the Straw Hats fight. It's just Luffy. They get back on the ship because yeah, not, that's the that's the strangest part. It's it's very unorthodox because it's not it's very tra- weird. Yeah, it's it not weird. It's not traditional One Piece where every single Straw Hat fights someone one on one. Instead, it's or at least two on one. In this case, it's like Nami picks up the scent. Oh, there's a busy, there's a huge ass cyclone heading our way. You remember that flashback of Jabba the Hutt telling him, "Oh, that part's known for cyclones. That's why this race never has a high success rate." By the way, he also gets betrayed by Gasparde and just dies. I didn't really feel for that though. <laughs> I felt that was kind of appropriate. Um, and then they uh, hastily go to like a nearby desolate island to try and get some safety. And it reminded me of like a little tiny segment where Nami is always trying to look her best, but if she puts on the raincoat, shit is serious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember that back on Drum Island where she had like the heavy coat because she was, you know, sick and about to die. And I'm just like, but she's not looking great. She's looking. Oh, shit's going down. <laughs> and that happened too when they were trying to get navigate to the island. Um, the Luffy and Gasparte fight overall was it was it was all right. I think Very it's reminiscent of his crocodile fight, in my opinion. A little bit, yeah. Um, but it's kind without, of the same, right? Like steps. Like, oh, I can't hit this guy. I'm gonna try eating him. You know, the, I'll try yeah, and hit the, him anyways. Yeah. So the little difference is, if Luffy did punch hard enough, he did actually cause Gasparty to bleed and take some damage. But there's a limit, right? Because he can absorb some damage. But if Luffy struck the right way, or like you know, if he impaled him with the mask, that was actually pretty sick. That Gasparty was. Actually, he actually gets hurt. But more like a... That was also savage. Like, what would you... It, it, what if that had worked? Like, and hit him full on, like, guts through? Would, would you have been happy with that? I think so. That would have been a really fucking metal way to finish the fight. No, I mean, Luffy himself. <laughs> would he have been like, like, fuck yeah, you know? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. He wouldn't have used the flower, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, yeah, it's enough to... Oh, that was when he just got the flower, actually, when Gasparte was, like, recovering from the mast impalement, and I'm like, oh, you're making me mad. I'm like, yeah, I can see you're turning green. Um. And then, yeah, Sanji's just like, oh, here's the flower. Uh, we're going to leave. Is that okay? Luffy's like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> just, yeah, no problem. Go on without me. And he... I'll catch up. Don't worry. Yeah, he acts... And it, the, the fight does get bloody. It reminded me... That's why I reminded the Don Krieg and the crocodile fights, too, where there are points where Luffy does get impaled. He does get cut quite deep in a couple plot spots. But he returns the favor, right? You have, that, you have that trade-off scene where he gets impaled in the stomach, but then he does the same to Gasparde where he punches him in the stomach, but he's able to immediately pull it back, and that shocks Gasparde, because his hand is covered in flour instead of water. And that's when he just chucks the other bag of flour like a grenade. (laughs) That was actually great, I'll I'll be honest. He just chucks the bag. And then that's when Gasparde is no longer like this $90 billion fighter. Instead, he's kind of a punk a little bit. Um, Because Crocodile, when he was fighting Luffy after they leveled out, Crocodile still put up a really good fight. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm def- I'm invincible until you find my weakness that I'm a bitch. Like, no, I'm still going to put up a fucking fight. Gasparte was kind of a bitch after he got the weakness. He's like the definition out. of those people that rely too much on their devil fruit. Mm-hmm, exactly. Although, to be honest, he was very bulky and tall because he did throw some good punches in the beginning. It, 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 he punched Luffy so hard, he got that tomato smashing sound effect, like I said. Um, but yeah, we get that cool bazooka ending where... It looks very reminiscent of like the Don Krieg moment where he puts on like that spiked cape. Yeah, um, but totally. so it's like spi- yeah, it's like the spiked candy, and then Luffy just punches right through it. You can see him wince in pain, but he finishes the blow, and then Gasparty is launched so far he's caught by the cyclone midair, and then he just starts going sideways, kind of like that scene from uh, 
Mission Impossible 3 with Tom Cruise with the explosion, where he just starts flying sideways. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in this case, it's an actual cyclone. Um, it's at this part, though, I do say I got a little confused, because it felt like five minutes of the movie were missing. This is when Luffy passes out after winning, right? Because it shows the cyclone eating up the ship. The boiler room exploded. That's what the grandpa did. He was detonating the boiler room, so Gasparty couldn't leave if he won. Um, and thinking, oh, he sacrificed himself so Anagumi could live on, right? Because he saw that hope of life. Turns out, JK, not really. So, we wake up in the morning. The storm is completely gone. Uh, Bria, is that his name? Am I saying his name right? Biera. Biera is just somehow not sick anymore. <laughs> yeah, just, I guess he's just fine now. Yeah, he, he just he just needed he's some been healed vitamin- by the power he- of love and or friendship. <laughs> Hard to tell. And, and or vitamin C from the sun. I don't know. <laughs> Um, he has bandages somehow. He heals Soraya and Luffy. He finds them both. Oh, we glossed over a key detail for the Gasparta fight that I thought was actually like, okay, you know what? Gasparta is still a pretty low tier villain, but he did something that hasn't been done since Buggy. He saw that straw hat to the side and fucking skewered that hat. I'm like, oh, this fucker's gonna die. <laughs> that's, that's when you know. Like, yeah. Oh, that yeah, and that's what actually when Luffy was without the flower, probably was why he got to... impaled. <laughs> yeah, he gets impaled by the machine. He, he, was... he was trying to murder you because of what you did to that hat. And yeah, actually, imagine... he did say that. He said, "I'm going to kill you." Mm-hmm. Imagine being the captain of your own ship, and then you piss off someone so much they impale you with your own mass. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ultimate disrespect. Do not shred my hat, motherfucker. <laughs> But anyway, back to the rowboat. Oh, by the way, the rowboat he somehow finds in the middle of the cyclone, the storm. Because the if you're somehow listening to us and you didn't take the disclaimer, the scene fades to black after the ship vaporizes and the Straw Hats are concerned, right? They think Luffy might have n- not survived. Or at least Usopp. Zoro's showing that he's confident. But you see that bead of sweat, right? Where he's like, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Um... But when after phase of black, we just get to bright sunny day, no clouds, rowboat perfectly intact. Uh, how did the old guy survive? And it's like he had a bunch of floaties, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> he was right next to the boiler when it blew up. And then the way it was shot, too, he had his eyes closed like he was about to, you know, to go out in style. Yeah. But and then they had a throwaway line where it's like, I thought you're going to I thought you're planning to die. And he's like, I didn't say I was going to die. I just want to see my engine uh, go away which is i guess was not wrong but the way that the cinematography was showing the scene was like okay no the the camera lied to me i I think we're led to believe that he took a spare boat and dragged luffy off the ship before it exploded right that's what we think that's what you think but it it was choppily put together and kind of edited poorly yeah that's why i said it felt like a five minutes in the midst of the movie there was yeah they needed a little more there i agree with that yeah you, you forgot the scene where they're like uh, Biera like w- swims back up somehow with the floaties. He finds a magical potion that cures a sickness. He finds a rowboat and he finds the two. <laughs> he finds Shiraya and Luffy. Well, by the way, Luffy can't swim. Remember that, and he passes out. And he, uh, Shiraya, in the meantime, finds the shredded straw hat to give back to Luffy. Again, there's like five minutes of scenes. <laughs> I guess just completely skip. That's kind of hard to keep track. But um, oh, by the way, uh, the whole movie. Anaguma was portrayed to be as a boy, but we called her her the whole time because it was actually the, the little sister of Shiraya. And again, during this moment, during the fight, this was like a big reveal where like, you guys didn't realize Anaguma's a she. And I'm like, so? <laughs> like, okay, cool. <laughs> didn't seem like that big of a deal. But at the end of the movie, um, 
like full on like the like the engineer clothes are off and didn't we like, already do that once by the way but she's actually a girl uh i'm not sure i know vivi's scene was oh she's actually the princess look at the long hair um, i thought one of the other movies oh no it was just it wasn't yeah no i'm thinking of something else okay okay um <laughs> watch justin's talking about a movie that came out like 10 years later he's spoiling something else for me oh <laughs> no no how, how dare you um but yeah we get that send-off where shiraya and anaguma realize they are siblings right they reunite and I do appreciate that they don't know what to say. It's really awkward between them because Soraya had his whole life of vengeance, doesn't know how to <laughs> treat a sister. And then Anaguma didn't realize, oh, I have a family now, a bigger family than I thought. Uh, you're kind of scary. You're kind of weird. I do appreciate that it was actually awkward at first. And it wasn't like your like, movie two, where it was a forced emotion where it's like, I don't feel anything though. <laughs> In this one, it was lower like, all right, we're united, but. We got a long work to do, a lot of work to catch up, and VR even acknowledges that, right? Where it's like, well, it takes things take time, and you guys have all of that now. Yeah, no, I like that. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, so it was very sloppy in the middle, but at the end, it came across. I'm talking about the OCs, by the way. The their little side plot. Um, and we get like a a, a fun little send off where they actually manage to get to the island, but unfortunately, the the naval fleet that were that was chasing at the beginning of the movie was waiting for them there. So, very unfortunate to Nami, who nearly kills Zoro out of anger, just because he's there, going, I missed out on 300 million berries, why am I sailing with you guys? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, poor Nami, she did all that great work in the beginning of the movie, just to miss out on the bounty, because the same naval bastard the life of a pirate, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then they had that same traditional send-off, right, where Shiraya and the others are on the rowboat. But then Shiraya goes, don't let me catch you again. I'm going to fucking hunt you down. And then Luffy's like, what happened any other way? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a hard standoff. Although the weird thing about that scene was this was right after Alabasta. And I remember how much of an effort they made to try not to be associated with Vivi. Remember, they're like, we can't wave at her. Remember, we can't associate with her. And then this movie, they're just like, ah, oh, fuck it. Bye. And the naval ships are literally <laughs> right there sailing past them. <laughs> It would have been like a really like dark humor ending if the rowboat just exploded from the naval cannons. <laughs> like, they're, they're they're with the pirates, right? <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it didn't happen. We just get the get them sent off, and then I think the credits were f an original OP ending, right? Where they was like the, the two ships sailing above like the map, moving in the background. I feel like I've seen that yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. So Some of the openings actually. Okay. So yeah, that was just a typical ending. The Straw Hats go on adventures elsewhere. Uh, they didn't get the prize money. We get that little teaser, right? Where the, the first... Oh, this is the other indication why it's before Jaya. Where the people at the end going like, Oh, are those the Straw Hat guys? Yeah, they're really tough. Yeah, we just got a new bounty update. They're worth 100 million now. Holy shit, you know. So, you know, mail service is kind of iffy on the grand line. You know, weather formations and all that. This island got it first. So, yeah, overall... Uh, I think this was a fantastically fun movie. The first half is a lot better than the second half, but the second half isn't terrible. It's still good. Just yeah. by comparison to the first half, which I thought was almost perfect. I'd say it's like a 7 out of 10 for me. 7 out of 10 overall? Yeah. I'd say 8, personally. Uh, that first half, if, if the entire movie was that first half, it'd be a 10 out of 10. Like, if that first half quality was the second half too, maybe the OCs were better put together in terms of motivation and everything 
then it would have been a solid 10 out of 10. But an overall fun, I would still say, like, at least a 9, because I saw a lot of fun watching this movie. But being critical, I'd say 8, where, at least for One Piece movies, it's an 8 out of 10. Because, again, it's just so much fun. Quality was there. Uh, Toei Animation realized that if you make Nami the MVP, the movie will automatically be better for that. And I'm glad they understood that. Uh, <laughs> uh, we didn't say last movie, but, you know, I, the MVP of that movie, would you say, was Chopper in that last movie? Kind of because it was Chopper's kingdom. Right. But in this movie, who do you think the MVP was? I'd say Nami, easy, hands down. Yeah, I think I agree. Like, every character has a moment, right? At some point. Like, again, we mentioned how Robin literally saved the entire crew. I feel like her. Zoro didn't really do anything in this movie, to be totally honest. He was part of that opening bar scene. I give him credit, too. Nami led that negotiation, but Zoro was completely behind what Nami was trying to do and knew the cue to chime in, right? So I think that was really good Zoro scene in the beginning. Action-wise, yeah, I will say, yeah, he, he didn't, didn't do that do much. much else after that. Yeah, he and Sanji boarded that other ship that was eventually attacked by uh, Neptunians. So they didn't really need to be there, but it was still a fun little moment. Um, I still feel like uh, no one got sidelined in this movie. Like, you could argue maybe Zoro in the action, it's Sanji as well, but again, I feel like everyone did their part in some way. And there was heart, we mentioned all the negatives where you have the weird CG opening. The OC storyline was, it could have been a lot better. We're more critical of that, I think, than the other movies, like, in terms of actual details, because there's potential. There was actual potential for this to be really, well, And it's really because it was, like, it was, like, half the movie. Because the only time we could cut away from all the strats together on the ship was for that side story. Yeah. So, Although yeah, that's that took a pretty good amount of time. I felt like that was consistent with the last movie, too. The, the third movie, where you would see the scenes with just Mumbambi and the animals of the kingdom trying to figure out what to do. That movie, although it didn't do it as much. Yeah, I see your point. Um, because in that movie that was they were short and brief, but they felt long. This one it was an hour and a half, and it felt like maybe thirty minutes was dedicated to the OCs. At but, least, but I still felt like what we got with the Straw Hats were terrific. Um, choreography was great, cinematography was great, characters were on point. I really felt like I watched watching my characters come to life, and yeah, it was a great, great movie. Of all the of all the movies to start off leaving Japan, I'm glad it was this one. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a strong start. Absolutely. Can you imagine if Chopper's Kingdom was the first one to leave Japan? Uh, it would be like, yeah. that's not a good start. That's not a good start. <laughs> oh, no. I, wa I, wa I like what you guys try to do, but it just didn't work out. But in this one, it's like, no, we know what we're doing, and this all worked out. Absolutely. Great film. If you want to talk more about that film, where could uh, fans find you, Jacob? If you want to talk to me about the film or keep track of, like, opinions on up-to-date chapters, by the way, reminder, I am caught up on the manga, you can find me at Jacob Miranda on Twitter. That is J-A-C-O-B-M-E-R-E-N-D-A. -E -E uh, where can they find you, Justin? You can find me at or on Twitter at Jitsu, J-I-T-S-Z-U, for all One Piece stuff and other manga stuff. Yeah, hit me up. Mm -hmm. And if you have the time and feel so inclined, please leave us a review on iTunes. We do read the five-star reviews, and I also want to take this moment to thank you to everyone that did review us or uh, rate us on Spotify. I, we have like 50-ish ratings on there, so we really appreciate that. Thank you guys so much. Thank you very much. And so the next movie is Curse of the Holy Sword, Sacred Sword? Yes, and next episode we will be talking about the 
Curse of the Holy Sword, which is the Zorro movie, right? It should be. Uh, if you've seen the fr- the front poster, it looks very. Uh, <laughs> it looks like it has potential. The aesthetics are like very like bloodborne esque. Like you got red skies and a red moon. I'm just like, okay, this could be an edgy film. That's all right. I can't wait. <laughs> Hopefully, it lives yes, up. I look forward to checking it out. I haven't seen anything from it, so I'm curious. All right, and we will see you then. Thank you guys for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>